Now we are glad that you're here. Take your Bible, turn with us to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of homework tonight. And there might be a quiz, so you make sure you do your homework. And your dog eating your homework is not a valid excuse. Your cat eating your homework is not a valid excuse either. Your children, your spouse, your neighbor, your garbage disposal, none none of those. Hebrews chapter number 10. We are now in this study of this matter of being biblically distinct. We're looking... Uh, to start with at the Baptist acrostic. And you say, why the Baptist acrostic? Because I'm Baptist born and Baptist bred, and when I'm old, I'll be Baptist dead. (laughs) I am Baptist. I am unashamedly Baptist. I am thankful to be Baptist, but more than that, I'm thankful that Baptist has a biblical foundation. And so we started by looking at the letter B, which is the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. We believe in the revelation, inspiration, preservation, 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 preservation. I have to stop there because so many are like, well, we don't have the Word of God in our day anymore. Why? What a tiny God you have preservation, and authority of Scripture. The Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. Last week, we talked about letter A, the autonomy of the local church. We trust God to guide our local church. We do not require control from or relinquish control to any human authority outside this local assembly as we follow God and His Word. Uh, we that are within this local body, with Christ as the head, we choose uh, how we operate, what we do within those biblical guidelines. And that's what makes us independent, not from God. We are ultimately dependent upon God. Amen. But tonight I want us to look at part three. It's the letter P, and that stands for what, dear? Pancakes. You didn't know that was in the Baptist acrostic, did you? So we're going to talk about fellowship breakfast tonight. No. The letter P tonight is the priesthood of the believer. The priesthood of the believer. Look with me. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19 is where we'll start. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. I want you to listen to the richness of this text. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're going to talk about the priesthood of the believer this evening. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are, for what you've done. And I pray tonight as we would look at this 
uh, tenet of our faith, and this vital truth that we uh, have from your word to understand what a blessing that it is to have Jesus Christ as our great high priest. And Lord, I pray that uh, you'll help us this evening, bless our time together in Jesus' name, amen. And you know, and we're reading in Hebrews chapter number 10, and that is in the New Testament. Brother Larry said Old Testament. Y'all pray, y'all pray for Hebrews. Turn, turn your Bible over. <laughs> Hebrews is in the New Testament. Now, we know that the Old Testament priest was a mediator between God and men. Man, uh, mankind, they were not allowed into now the holy place, especially into the holy of holies, but there was a framework, a priesthood that would, that God instilled, and they, those priests would offer service in the tabernacle and then the temple, and it was the high priest that had the privilege, uh, to every year he could go into the holiest of holies. He had to be prepared. He had to be cleansed. He had to, you know, have bells around his robe there and all that. And you can read, uh, some Jewish history that would say that the high priest went in with a rope around his foot. So that if he died, because God could strike him dead right there on the spot if he went in wrong. And they put the rope on him because nobody else wanted to go in there and get struck dead right there on the spot. And they drag him out by that rope. So the Old Testament priest is the go-between between man and God. Now, here's your homework. You can go tonight, go home, you can do it tomorrow, you can do it Tuesday, whatever you want, but Hebrews chapter 9, we don't have the time tonight, but you can go back in Hebrews chapter 9 and you will find that when the Old Testament ended, which took place, you'll find this in Hebrews 9, the Old Testament ended at the death of Christ on the cross. That was the end. And I understand when we come into that section of our Bible and it says New Testament and then we start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. As we start going through those up to the point of the death of Christ's death on the cross, you're still in the Old Testament theology. Okay? And so if you will remember that in your mind, as you read through the Gospels before the cross, things will make a lot more sense. And Christ, as He has His earthly ministry, He starts to point people to the cross and what's beyond the cross. But at the death of the testator was the end and the opening of a New Testament. The end of the Old, the opening of the New. So with the ending of the Old Testament, both the need for a priest and the formal priesthood itself ceased to exist. Upon the death of Christ, His finished work upon the cross, we now find from the Word of God that Jesus is our only mediator. 
And each individual believer, now we'll talk about that more when we get into I, individual soul liberty. But each individual believer now has the right and the responsibility to appeal directly to God without the need of an aid of any other person because of Christ. Notice verse 19 again. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, we know this tonight, but it's good to uh, have the reminder. It's good to understand our foundation, our confidence and our access into now uh, the presence of God, into the throne room, as we would say, is by the blood of Christ alone. Not the blessings of the Pope. Not the ballot of the congregation. Not the box of confession. Not through any human intermediary. We have a door, His name is Jesus. First Timothy chapter 2. I hope your pencil's sharp because I'm going to give you oh probably over 40 scripture references here tonight. But First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Amen, we're done. Let's go home. I mean it's as simple as you can get it right there in that verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So what does that mean for you and for me still today? Let me give you five Bible truths about the priesthood of the believer that you can base, you can anchor your trust upon. Five Bible truths. Now, it's important that I say that. If I said five truths you can anchor to, now you'd have a problem. Why? Because the Bible is our sole authority for faith and practice. So we have to look to the Word of God to anchor ourselves in. So number one is this. You'll like this. I like this. Every believer has equal standing before God. When we talk about the priesthood of the believer, every believer has equal standing before God. Scripture teaches that you and I as believers should show respect and honor to those in authority, both inside and outside the church. However, in this matter of standing or position, there is no difference between pulpit and pew. We all have equal standing before God. You say, well, why is that? Because all of us who are believers stand before God on the equal footing of Christ's righteousness alone. (laughs) Christ's righteousness, that's where we stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
Not one of us stands higher than the other. Therefore, all respect, obedience, and honor that's shown to a spiritual leader is conditioned by that truth. Just because I'm a preacher, just because I have the privilege to serve the Lord as pastor, does not mean that I'm on some higher spiritual plane than you are. I stand on the blood of Christ for my righteousness just like you do. No higher, no no elevation, no no steps. Hey, He must increase. I must decrease. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Certainly there is a place for respect and honor to be shown to those that are called by God and placed by God into leadership. But again, let me say it, I am no better than you and you are no better than me when it comes to our standing in God. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God and fitted into the family of God as God chooses. We have equal standing. Now you understand there's a difference between standing and state. And I've told you this before. I'll illustrate it again. On the wall back there, there's a little panel and there are two things. They're called light switches. Right now, they're both light switches. Regardless of what goes on, regardless of the wires that come into them, right now, those are both light switches. But you understand, even though they're standing as, they are standing as light switches, they have different states. Right now, they are in the state of on. Now, I can go back there. There's two switches. Both of them are flipped up. Both of them are on. You realize I can flip one of them off and leave the other one on, and in their standing, they are both still light switches, but their state is different. What I'm saying is this, as believers, we are equal on the ground of Christ's righteousness, but our fellowship with God can vary. I can be in closer fellowship to God than you. You can be in closer fellowship uh, to God than me and, you know, and, and on that. We are in different levels of spiritual growth along the way, but our standing is always the same. The ground is level. Calvary. Okay, get your pen ready. I'm going to rattle off some references for you in a hurry. Miss Sue, I'll just give you the paper after. (laughs) She asked me that before. She's like, you went too fast. Can I have the paper? Here we go. First Corinthians. Let me give you a few here from First Corinthians. So First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says, I'm going to take some snippets out. I want to talk to you about now our being fitted into the family of God as God chooses. We are a body assembled together as the local church. 1 Corinthians 1.10, be perfectly joined together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9, we are laborers together with God. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 4, gathered together. Hey, guess what? 
Tonight we are gathered together. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 24. God hath tempered the body together. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. Helping together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1. Workers together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. You got a cramp yet, Miss Sue? You, you gave up. I saw the hands go up. She's like, that's it. <laughs> I'll make a copy for you afterwards. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. He might gather together in one all things in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5. Quickened us together with Christ. Verse 6 of Ephesians 2. And hath raised us up together. Ephesians 2 verse 22. Ye also are builded together. You're starting to catch a theme here. You notice the one word that's in all of these verses? Together. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 2 2. Knit together. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Caught up together. 1 Thessalonians 5.10 We should live together with Him. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Comfort yourselves together. Now I, I gave you all of those and we talked about how God fits the body together. We're all on equal standing. And I want to say this. As pastor... I am not to lord over you, but to lead us together as we follow Christ. That's the job. Not to be some cult leader. I had to get that in there somewhere. (laughs) I asked in Sunday school this morning, who of you got accused of being a cult leader this week? And, you know, nobody. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. It happens. Oh, well, I'm just going to keep following the Bible. Keep praying for those who got weird ideas. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. I have enough time, a hard enough time trying to keep myself under control. I do not have the time to try to keep all of you under control. All I can do is just watch and go, God, get that one. God, help that one. And God, look, are you seeing that? Feed the flock of God which is among you. And it says, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. Not handcuffing any of you to the pew. You're all allowed to leave here this evening. And I won't even make you drink the Kool-Aid that we made. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Be ye followers of me. This is the Apostle Paul. 
Be ye followers of me, he says, even as I also am of Christ. Believers are all saved by the same blood of Christ. All saved by the same gospel of Christ. All saved by the same belief in Christ. And we are all indwelt with the same Holy Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verse 26, the Bible says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Look, while believers can and are used of God to help each other, and we we are, I said, helping together. Believers can be used of God to help each other. They are used of God to help each other. But none of us are higher than each other when it comes to our standing. No better in my standing than you. You're no better in your standing than me because we stand together in Christ. So number one, every believer has equal standing before God. Number two, every believer is equally accountable to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Miss Sue, you're about 18 references behind, so you just, I'm just picking on you. Revelation 22, 12, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, it is true. Believers have the responsibility to offer guidance and help to others. However, even though we have the obligation, even though we have the responsibility to try and guide and help others according to the Word of God, not one of us will be held responsible for the decisions and choices of others. I cannot make you choose. That's your responsibility. But wait, that means if it's your privilege to choose, then you get to be personally accountable to God for your choices. We will surely give account for the conduct and content of our lives individually. But the final responsibility for choices and conduct rests solely with the individual. No one will ever be able to blame anyone else for his or her own choices. There will be no passing the buck in the day when God's people are judged. The devil made me do it will not be heard at the judgment seat. My wife made me that woman that thou hast given me, Lord. Nope. God didn't take that excuse in Genesis chapter 3 and He's not going to take it at the judgment either. Now, with that said, we know many who have had unfortunate experiences in life. 
especially now in the realm of the local church. The best of men are men at best. And we don't have time tonight, but if I was to take the microphone and let's go around and say, uh, tell me the, you know, how many times you've been hurt in church. Well, can I promise? It's not God that hurts you. It's not. And I've said it before. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it again. There, there will. Uh, I'll just say I'm sorry ahead of time. There, there, there may come a time where, without any desire of my own, that I'll do something that might offend you. And that's not my goal. That's not what I want to do. But I do know that, you know, oh, Jeff's an idiot sometimes. You don't have to tell me. I, I know. I know him pretty well. You know, Jeff does Jeff things, and often them are dumb. Thank you. I told you you didn't have to tell me. Now you offended me. No. <laughs> it's Brother Richard doing Richard things. Now, now we all know this. I, I know people personally who have been hurt badly by church members. I, I, I could tell you stories, and we could just sit here and weep and weep and weep. Uh, I could tell you uh, uh, stories, and you could tell me stories about people who have been um, dealt with wrongly in this life. They have had things done to them, have had to live through things, and just unfortunate things. But there are some because of that that believe due to past hurts, especially now in the realm of the church, there are those today who believe that due to past hurts by the church's hand that they have an indisputable and entitled right to turn away from God and do as they please from that moment on. Well, I was hurt in the church, so that means I don't have to live by the Word of God anymore because somebody in the church hurt me. No, that's false. You still are accountable for your choices. Romans chapter number 14. You know that one that everybody runs to when there's a disagreement between people? Romans chapter 14, you know the one where it says one eats meat and one doesn't? And neither one of those were doing a sinful act. But one was trying to say that he was right. And one was trying to say that he was right. And, you know, and so you know, we ought to not give offense uh, to another. You know that chapter that everybody runs to in this. Romans chapter 14 verse 11 says this, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let me tell you tonight, you're not going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ with your laundry list of what I did wrong. Good good try, but uh, trust me, I'll, I'll, I have a monopoly on that list. I'll, I'll be responsible for that, and you'll be responsible for yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, that ought to sober us a little bit. Now, if you're here and saved, you won't stand at the judgment seat of Christ for sin because Jesus already paid the price for sin. Amen. 
But the Bible says that we believers must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And we could take the time to talk about the rewards and the gold, silver, and precious stones versus the wood, hay, and stubble. And there are some that are saved so as by fire. But there's an equal standing. There's an equal accountability. Now let's move to number three. Every believer has equal access to God. Every believer has equal access to God. We see through Christ's finished work on Calvary's cross that there is no longer a need for any person to stand between another person and God because Jesus is our mediator. Mark chapter 15 and verse 38, the Bible tells us, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain, that means in two, from the top to the bottom. Now if you'll do a little study and find out that was not an eight foot high curtain. And it was not built like the curtains in your house. This was feet upon feet high high and inches thick material. And notice this, it was torn from the top to the bottom. Because of what Christ did on the cross, that door was opened by God to man. Not the other way around. Oh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful uh, for the finished work of Christ and the veil of being rent that we now have access to God. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us now i have to stop right there for a minute i am a big fan big fan of the blood of christ i am so thankful for the wonder-working blood of christ what can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I am thankful for the blood of Christ. But there are those that are in our day that, you know what, they say that that blood is just a fluid. It didn't do anything. It has no special meaning. It's some metaphorical thing. And I'm here to tell you tonight, without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. Anybody tells you that the blood has no special significance, the blood of Christ, and the blood has no power, and the blood is not relevant in our day, you kick them in the backside and tell them, have a nice day, and stop listening to their baloney juice. Oh, just let me throw this tip in for you, in, in case you're one who likes to entertain guests. If you have people that come over that you don't like, don't do this for me, please. But, you know, just might want to do this sometime. You boil up a pack of hot dogs. And you take that hot dog water and you put it in your ice trays. 
and you freeze it, and then when they come over and you ask for ice in their drink, then you use those. I'm just... That was halftime. That, that was, that was halftime. Hebrews. <laughs> All right, Miss Sally, you're going to be okay? <laughs> she's picturing it. She's got the taste now. She's, she's thinking about it. Hebrews, Hebrews, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this cause. For what cause? For the cause of the shedding of His sinless blood for our sins. For this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament. And then we look back. We, old brother Rob watching online again. He said, hot dog water, ice cubes go well with Alpo pie. <laughs> Amen. Our text verses again, Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. This is really is a wonderful truth because common experience teaches us that direct access is always the best and most accurate way to conduct communication. Y'all ever play that telephone game? You get a whole bunch of people sit in, in a line, and then one person uh, goes up to the person sitting on the one end, and he tells them something, and then that person has to relay the message, and it goes down person, 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 person. By the time it gets to the last person, they say out loud what the message was. It's not even close to the original. You understand we have the ability as believers because of the finished work of Christ to have direct communication with God. You say, but I've never heard Him speak. Here it is. You say, yeah, but I didn't hear it out loud. Read it out loud. You have the privilege now to talk to Him in return. Believers have direct access in the presence of the Lord God Himself. Watch, without the need for any mediator or go-between other than Jesus. In fact, praying to anything or any other person other than the Lord Himself, other than to God Himself, is wrong. You don't need to pray to Saint so-and-so. You don't need to pray to Mary. You don't need to go through some man and, you know, and say, well, I can't get to God. You're going to have to get to God for me. No, friend, you have access to God Himself. You say, but He's not hearing me. Then you need to get right with God and then He'll hear you. Hebrews 4 in chapter 16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, don't misunderstand me tonight. We do have the privilege to intercede for others in prayer. That's why in your bulletin there's a prayer list. It's a blessing to pray for others. But outside of Christ, there's no individual that you or I have to go through to get a prayer through. 
The door's wide open all the time. We have direct line to the throne of God through Christ. Boy, that's good news for the preacher. So you know at 2 o'clock when you woke up and had that bad dream because you ate too much pizza? And you're like, I really need to talk to the Lord about something? You, you don't have to call me and say, can you talk to the Lord about this? You, you just talk to Him yourself. Now, if you need to call me and ask me to pray with you, I'm happy to. But your prayers don't have to go through me to get to God. My prayers don't have to go through you to get to God. Because of Jesus, we have direct access to the throne. Okay, so equal standing, equal accountability, equal access, number four. Each believer has equal obligation for service. Now, don't get nervous. But each believer has equal opportunity, equal, equal obligation, excuse me, for service. You understand, we, we are mm, not called upon to kill animals, divide them up, and place them on altars. There is, however, a level of priestly function that the New Testament calls us to perform. And that function involves spiritual sacrifices. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First Peter 2, 5, we read it already. I'll read it again. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, these special spiritual sacrifices involve at least these three things. There are three things that that have to be there for, for us to even consider them to be spiritual sacrifices. Here they are. Praise, prayer, and participation. Praise, prayer, and participation. Say, so how do you know that? Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name, but to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. In those verses you'll find praise, prayer, participation. Now I tell you that tonight to let you in on this little-known secret. Every believer has equal obligation for service. But you don't have to have any unique skill, extraordinary strength, or superb ability to participate in the praise and prayer ministry. Oh, but preacher, I can't walk and I can't work. Hey, can you still think of God? Can you still thank God? Can you still talk about God? You can serve God. If we are still breathing. Are you still breathing? 
we can still be about God's business. Equal standing, equal accountability, equal access, equal obligation. Finally tonight, number five, every believer has equal privilege to God's Word. Every believer has equal privilege now to God's Word. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter 1, verses 19 and 20. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 18, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Every person has the right to read, to study, and to understand the Bible on their own. Why? You're saved. You're indwelt with the same Holy Spirit of God that I am. You have the same Word of God that I do. You know what that means? The same teacher can teach you the same thing. The truth. Now, we gather together and and we operate uh, in the way that we do. But friend, you know what? You have the privilege now to get in the Word of God and get alone with God and for God to work in your heart. We don't have time tonight to go back through church history, but you understand before uh, the coming of the printing press and what a modern, wonderful marvel that that has been to get the Word of God into the hands of people, there were churches where the Bible was chained to the pulpit in the church. And if you were not in now, uh, if you were not one of the ministers, if you were not now uh, a preacher, if you were not the pastor, you better not be caught reading that book. Because it was too far above you to understand. That lie still goes on today. But you have the privilege to have The Word of God. See, God did not inspire and preserve, there's that word again, preserve His Word to give only to some, but that all would have access. And no person or group of people hold a monopoly over interpretation and understanding. You'd be very wary of these people who come out and say, well, I got a new word from God today if it goes against this book and it... It's trash. More specifically, I'm in your driveway again. More specifically, no individual can pick and choose what they want to believe and throw out the parts they don't like. God said it. That settles it, believe it or not. I heard a statement this week that went something like this. Most people today read their Bibles with a highlighter in one hand to mark what they like and a black Sharpie in the other to mask what they don't. And I was like, wow, ain't that the truth? 
And my grandma used to say that all the time. I don't read that part of the Bible. I don't agree with that. I don't care whether you agree with it or not. It's still there. God put it there. And it's the truth. Every believer has the right to adopt. Now hear me tonight. Every believer has the right to adopt personal convictions, standards, and preferences from Scripture. But you do not have the authority to pervert Scripture as you make your convictions, standards, and preferences. We'll talk again more about that when we come to individual soul liberty. You, you have the right to come to this Word of God and get alone with God. And you... See, it's not... You ought live this life not what Pastor Jeff told you you had to believe, but what the Word of God said you had to believe and know why you believe it. Now, we as believers, as we grow in, in grace... As we grow in the Lord, we have the responsibility now to live in such a way that if someone else was just to wholesale, without thought, adopt our convictions, standards, and preferences, that they would do no harm to their own spiritual life. That's huge. That's huge. I ought not uh, offend another in, in my living and in, in my witness and in my testimony. I, I ought to be able to live in such a way as pastor of the church that if you, without knowing why in the moment that you do it, that you just say, well, I'm going to do that because he does that. Now, now again, again, see, because that's where some people get a little squirrely. And they're like, well, see, that makes you a cult leader. No, follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm not following Christ, kick me in the backside and tell me to turn around. You need to get back on track. But you and I, as believers, hey, we have now the privilege, we have the opportunity, we have the obligation to be examples to others. Now, along the way, see, this worked in my, this, this is how this worked in my life. I grew up, you know, in the church. I told you all I had that drug problem when I was a kid. Every time the church was open, I got drugged there. <laughs> drug on Sunday, drug on Wednesday, drug on every other night they had, you know, drug problem. But then the Lord, the conviction of His Holy Spirit showed me that I was lost without Christ. I mean, I went to church and I sang the songs and I read the Bible and I memorized the verses and all those things. But that day when the Lord did that work in my life to save my sin-sick soul, that's when the relationship started. But you know, as that new believer, how many of you, how many of you uh, would take a uh, just weeks old baby and set them down in front of a filet mignon dinner with a fork and a knife and say, have at it? Knock yourself out. Hope it works out for you. It's not going to. Why? Because you need the milk of the Word. You need to grow. Well, you know, part of that growing process, sometimes you just do what the other people do because, well, they've trusted Christ and they're living this way and they know why they're living this way. So I'll live that way. But along the way, as you grow, you start to understand why. Why? 
they do what they do. And that's where that wisdom comes in. So it's not about you know me trying to control you, you trying to control me, us trying to control others. We just want to follow God and have others come along and follow as well. It's not enough that we think we know what it says. We must trust God enough to teach us what He said and what He meant. Listen to this tonight, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You want to have wisdom? There's one source. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. James 1.5 If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the preacher. No! Let him ask of God. Now, again, I don't, I don't mind. I love it when people, you know, ask questions. We get to dig around in the Word of God and, and spend our time with that. But it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him at some point. You ought to be able to know how to feed yourself. Because if you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness the way that you should be, Eating three, four times a week isn't going to be enough. And if you don't know how to feed yourself, you'll end up eating all the cookies and jelly beans and junk that you don't need to. And you'll be off in the wrong path before you know it. Ask God. The Scripture is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the teacher Can I tell you tonight, it is okay to tell the Lord you need help. (laughs) I have done that. I can't tell you. Lord, you're going to have to help me here. I certainly don't know what that means. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get the answer instantly. You've got to keep asking. Keep in the Word. I promise He'll teach you. As we close tonight, I want you to consider this now, the wonderful equality that we find in Christ as believers. Oh boy, I love this. We have an equal standing before God. We have that equal accountability to God. We have equal access to God. We have an equal obligation uh, to serve God. We have an equal privilege to God's Word. The priesthood of the believer affirms the common dignity, common calling, common privilege, and common obligation of all Christians before God. We need no priest but Jesus Christ. We pass through no person other than Christ to get to God, but we have the privilege to point people to God. Christ finished the work. Let's just humbly follow Him together.